0: Welcome to the Weekly Exchange This week in Forex and Strategy Game News we have updates on Endless Space 2 Age of Wonders Planetfall Star Sector and much, much more
1: Troy. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Nate. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yourself? Uh, Recovering. Um, I'm still a little bit congested from my cold. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll apologize to the audience for my uh, nasally sounding voice. More nasally than usual. I know that I have a nasally voice. But yeah, I'm still a little bit hoarse and congested from uh, my cold. But the antibiotics have kicked in. I'm doing all right. I feel better. I don't hurt anymore. Last week, that's all that's always
1: good, that's good
0: yeah i was I was hurting last week, but now now I'm good now I'm feeling all good. right
1: well i'm I'm glad to hear it, so um you wanna jump right in, yeah, let's start it off with Stellaris What do you got to say about that game? Let's do that, so this week, they released the dev diary one twenty four And this is the final part of the Planetary Rework. And in this one, they're talking about the Gestalt consciousness. And that's basically the hive minds, which Mm -hmm. are biological organisms that are all – basically like the Borg would be – most people would recognize that. Or in other fiction, in other science fiction, they've had other representatives. But I think Borg is pretty popular. And then the machine empires, which would be – Maybe, I don't know, maybe like the Terminator, Skynet or something like that? Uh, Yeah. Kind of? Yeah, I think that would be a good analogy, yeah. That would be a good analogy, right? Huh, why not? I like that analogy. Anyways, so they're doing a major rework. So in the past, the Gestalt consciousness looked very similar to every other type of organism out there whether you're a machine or not so like you couldn't there were tiny little changes here and there but that's it and a lot of people were like wait wait a minute we don't get it you know this this was an added feature for dlc everybody was super excited about and it didn't quite hit the mark so they're redoing it and now they're doing it I, i like what they're doing here i actually do like it and one of the things like so for example let's start with the Oh, I don't, wait, hold on. Am I missing one? Is there a third one here? There's the drones, right? Oh, I think I, I, think there's a third one that I'm missing. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, so you have, um, they're going to change the structures. They're going to have different structures, different jobs. That So, for example, uh, population happiness doesn't exist. You don't have to worry about the population being happy or not. Crime doesn't exist. So in a gestalt, yeah, there is research, gestalt, gestalt consciousness, hive minds, and machines. So in a gestalt consciousness, um, you have drones and you have different types of drones. So you have menial drones and you have complex drones. And then you have maintenance drones and agri-drones. And, like, for example, the menial drones would be the ones that do the like the, like, mining and maintenance and, you know collecting things. Whereas the complex drones in this regard are doing uh, research and science and producing finished goods and like amenities and things like that. And like I said, remember how I said about happiness and crime? Well, that's being replaced by stability and it's being replaced. So like sometimes you'll have drones that are developing um, their own like It's it's like they're developing their own subroutines and they're moving away from their programming. And I can give you a very good example of that. Do you know the game called Detroit Become Human? Yes, I'm familiar with it. Okay. So that's kind of the premise in that game is that you have humans and then you have these droids, androids that we're making that serve various purposes. And through their experiences, they start glitching out and they start developing personalities. And that's kind of – that's my impression from what I'm reading here. So that's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. That's one way to make a difference. And then, for example, with um, the hive minds, one of the things that they're – so the thing that they're really changing, for example, here is how the cities work. So now hive minds, they're really focusing on like on city growth and like population growth and having maximum amount of organisms in a minimal space. So – like an example of this sort of would be in Warhammer K how you have hive worlds where you have maximum amount of people living on top of each other and the city grows on top in these giant massive cities like like oh what are they called from um acrocology, agro- acrologies acrologies yeah ar argola ar- arcologies arcologies that was I think the first time I ever saw that was that wasn't in a book was in SimCity 2000 is where right. they first introduced it, where they had like 50,000 people in a in a, like a four by four block, and I was like, "Whoa, that's crazy!" That's kind of what they're doing here. So they are. So that's another major change. You know, they're really trying to make it unique. And finally, with the machine empires, there are similarities with the hive minds, but there's also like the functions: calculators, coordinators, fabricators, replicators, and they have like different level jobs and it's it's like it's it's crazy it is really really fantastic that they're changing it up i think because one of the complaints was and this is not something that was As a result of version 2.0 or 2.1, this was from the beginning, is that, oh, it doesn't really matter what you choose. They all kind of play the same at some point. And now, by changing up the mechanics, at least these guys are going to be different. So we'll see. Then another thing they're doing is they're reworking habitats. So habitats, I believe, were introduced with 2.0, and basically you could build, like – Not a ring world, but it's almost like building a Deep Space Nine or a Babylon 5 in space where you are orbiting a particular resource and you have the structure, the ship, the space station is um, like a size 12 planet. And you have a couple of unique structures on it, but otherwise that's it. They changed it. So now it's actually going to be a smaller, it's going to be like, you still have it and you can still use it for population. You can use it for various things, but now it's no longer size 12 planet. Now it's going to be a size six planet. But I believe there's one caveat here, which is if you're a master builder, if you have the master builder skill or trait, then it becomes a size eight planet. And now now it has, so what did it do? So... Okay, so now they have unique districts and instead of having like a building of farming, now they'll have habitation district, research district, trade district, leisure district, reactor district. So they're, they're changing it up. They're making it make more sense is the best way that I can explain it, because even if you think about. Like Babylon 5, which was actually a bigger, sh- a bigger space station than Deep Space Nine. So in Babylon 5, in that universe, was Deep Space Nine and Star Trek. It was actually a bigger space station, but with all the people, there were like a like couple million people and aliens on it, and that's Quarter it. million. I, s-
0: I remember it from the intro.
1: Well, quarter million is officially, unofficially, I suspect it was probably more. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's fine. Quarter million, 1 million, 25 people, whatever the number is, a size 12 planet is going to have way more people on. Oh, yeah. Way more. So in order for a space station to be able to house so many people, it would have to be massive. And that's what they're getting away from. So they're going to be discussing some some additional reworks in the future. And I suspect that they're going to be talking about districts, some more or the rework of districts. And then I'm hoping that they discuss sectors. That's one of the things that with all these changes that are happening to planets, I want to see what the sector system looks like in the future, because I can imagine it's going to be a massive micromanagement nightmare if they don't rework it. But based on the past with Stellaris and what they've been doing what they're doing now i know that they're going to jump in there i just i just want to i'm curious i don't know i can't imagine how they're going to rework it to make it function better than a person versus a person having to you know go through like list after list after list blah, 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 blah. and then it's like oh my god i don't want to even play this here just do whatever you know
0: yeah for sure all right well we're going to move over to a different universe and talk about endless space 2 for a little bit mm-hmm. we got an update on the umbral choir expansion that's coming out. And it's really interesting, Nick, In this Mm -hmm. dev diary, Mm -hmm. Amplitude used the word expansion over and over. Mm -hmm. In the past, they've been very disciplined about using only DLC. So I'm really interested in the fact that they've changed their terminology here. And you remember back when you and I did a podcast, I think it was a double X or no? Was it was it an article? We might have done an article you and I before we started recording double X's about the difference between DLCs and mm-hmm. expansions. Brian and one of the things we kind of talked about in that. Was, I think
1: that was one of our first double X's, actually.
0: Yeah, we'd have to go back and see if it was a podcast or an article. Anyhow, uh, while you do this, I will search real quick. Sounds good. Uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that you know DLC is any new content. An expansion mm-hmm. is new content that adds a new mechanic that changes the fundamental gameplay, which is what's happening here with the Umber Choir. It's introducing espionage. And uh, in this dev diary, it talks about where Amplitude drew its inspiration for the espionage in Endless Space 2. And I'm like, oh, wow, this will be really interesting. I wonder if they like did a lot of research and thought about it. And it turns mm-hmm. out they did. What they did, and I'll just quote what they put here: okay. We looked into older classics like Master of Orion 2, and it was at that point, I believe, <laughs> I had an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> I'm like, <clears throat> guys, uh? I mean, this is just like days, right, Nate? After Josh and I just rip companies for not being able to get past Master of Orion 2. Oh, II. oh, you, you oh, can go back on. and listen to. Um, our strategic expanse that, that was posted a couple days ago. Right. And, right. you know, we go on and on and on about how companies are stuck on Master of Orion 2, and they need to get away from that. And I always held Amplitude up as one of the more in, innovative and cutting-edge companies. But here they go, back to Master of Orion 2. And, and and okay. you know what? I think maybe the dev who was writing this might have thought, you know, we've heard rumors that there that there might have been a lot of people here... Uh, developing games for master of orion 2 we're not real sure because we obviously don't pay attention to the market but just in case we'll we'll say we got it from master of orion 2 and we'll name another game just to kind of you know cover ourselves so what other game uh, i know civilization i bet if we say we're inspired by master of orion and civilization this will be something that gets people really excited and interested in what we're going to do. Okay. Well, guys, I'm sorry. We've seen <sighs> Master Ryan 2. No, Nate, I'm not going to let you talk. No, We've no, seen no. Master it's, Ryan it's, too, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. We've seen Civilization Espionage now for 25 years. When you want to brag, that's what you're adding to your game? I'm sorry. You must have mistaken me for someone who cares. Nobody is interested in yet another retread of Master of Ryan 2 and Civilization Espionage. Uh, It it might as well not even be in
1: there. I think think from from the dev diary that they wrote, there's one word or sentence missing. I have seen things as a VIP that I cannot discuss for obvious reasons. But what I can tell you is that they should have put a knot somewhere in there. That's all I can say. Uh, 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 strategically placed not completely and utterly changes the meaning of that sentence. And you would be like, yes, amplitude, I love you. you. You're finally doing what I want you to do. That's all I can say for now. Of course, I could be wrong and things can change, but based on stuff, I can tell you that not should be in there somewhere. All right, well,
0: it remains to be seen. This is what they said. This is their propaganda for getting people excited, and they wrote the very thing that'll get people unexcited. So we'll just cover what's left here. Uh, Obviously, the Umbral Choir, which is the new faction being added, will uh, specialize in espionage. Also, the Umbral Choir will be a tall empire. Now, I kind of got the impression that the Hisho were more of a tall empire also. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that... Endless Space 2's mechanical troubles are when you play tall, it's when you play wide that the problems really start to show up in the game.
1: Well, with the the introduction of the new ship class and, for example, something like the obliterator taking out systems and the core crackers taking out planets, it makes it harder to play wide because you have to defend a lot of stuff and you have to find good choke points. But if you're playing tall, you can focus your defenses and protect those key systems. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, so, I totally
0: get that. And that's the way the game has been since launch. I think it's just heading more and more in that direction. So, so Endless what? Space 2 will be pretty much a tall Empire-only game. No, no kind of n- like. not necessarily. Yeah, you well, can, you
1: can, pl- we'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. You, you really can't play wide. You really can't. So, I don't know. If you have the vaulters, you can you can really play wide because right. you can just you don't need a lot of fleets. You can just teleport your fleet, bam, 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 from citizens wherever you need them. You just have to yeah, hold your system. The vaulters, si- vaulters can go wide. You're right. You're right about that. really wide. The cra- the um, cravers, <laughs> the necrophages can wait. No, cravers. No, I was right. The cravers can go wide. They have to go wide. Yeah, because well, they kind of blow go wide up their system.
0: They're like a donut because like. I mean, they use up a system, and then it's no good anymore.
1: Yeah, so the, to them, it's like, yeah, go ahead and blow up my system. What do I care?
0: I'll go take another system. I really don't blow mean, it up. It's probably more of a liability toward the end game. Yeah, so. All right. you know, well, it's... anyway, there you go. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming from Endless Space 2. We'll see if they can correct this Master of Orion 2 Civ thing in future updates. We'll mm-hmm. be very keen to hear what they have to say. And maybe they'll say, uh, yeah, you know, we meant... We did not look at older classics like Master Ryan 2 and Civilization, which would be really boring. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's land real quick on Driftland and talk about them. They went to PAX West, which is kind of a big deal, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had a, a booth there at PAX West. People were playing the game there. They had some really cool cosplayers come by their booth. And I imagine they were super excited to be at that convention and see people playing their game.
1: Absolutely. And I think they were also at um, GamesCon, I think, if I remember correctly. Not because EGX is happening around the same time as uh, it's like happening at the time of recording, I think. So I don't know. There's like a whole lot of cons all over the Western Hemisphere, like happening within short proximity to one another. So I can imagine anybody that's trying, like any developer, big or small, trying to show their their products there is going to have a hard time <laughs> keeping up with everything. So, But, yeah, it's cool. Those pictures look – like, while looking at those pictures, I'm like, I want to play Driftland. That looks like fun. Okay, so let's talk about Star Sector. Now, we've been – we've oh, no, no. Hold on. Wait, wait. One, one game before that. A little game. A tiny bit excited for it. Age of Wonders Planetfall. Just a little bit excited for it. And by that, I mean a whole lot excited for it. So this past Friday, so, okay. So last week they did not have a dev diary or dev journal or dev anything. And they said, look, we're going to show you the game at play on Friday. We're going to have an exclusive stream. Come check it out. Interestingly enough, I think it started on Thursday. It's a publisher's weekend on Steam for Paradox titles. So all of Paradox titles are being discounted. By the time you hear this, the sales will be over. But just looking on my friends list on Steam, quite a few people are buy- jumping in and buying stuff. I bought something. So, you know, others did too. But anyways, so they had a f- they showed off uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall. Leonard Sass was on and they were basically playing a scenario. They showed it- – I'm not sure how long the original stream was, but the- – Clip down version i think it's like 26 28 minutes long on youtube we'll have a link in the notes for it and um yeah it looks like star union versus the crazy insects race they show a city they show how the districts work or the sectors or whatever you know whatever it's called which just at a quick glance looks a lot like an upgraded version of what they did with age of wonders 3 and Maybe two or three people groan like, ah, but the reality is, is yeah, it was a good system and they're further evolving it. They're improving it. I'm really excited to see how the game ends up functioning as a finished product. I I want a key. I I want to play it now, like two days ago. I I wanted to already be playing it. Anyways, so then the real juicy part here. Besides the fact that they showed you character creation, one of, like hero creation, one of the things is that in Age of Wonders 3, you had schools of magic. So depending on your type of character you had, they either had an affinity or weakness or immunity, and they don't have that anymore in Planetfall. But what they have in Planetfall is they have like the secret text, and I think that they're replacing like the magic affinity that exists in Age of Wonder Three, which would make sense. So they created a cool-looking hero. They went a little bit through the, you know, like the cosmetic stuff, you know, weapon, weapon loadouts, things like that. Then he had his command squad, like with the different units in his squad in a stack. And there was an engagement with with the bugs. You know, everybody hates the bugs, right? So in this engagement, at first glance, it's like, oh look, Age of Wonder Three in space. Except it's not at all. There's a little similarities. What you have is it's a lot more like XCOM. A lot of the movement, a lot of the things that you could do, action points, taking cover, lines of sight, area effect, like like in XCOM. And I was like, whoa. And then you see there's like different types of overwatch, like a weapon overwatch, a melee overwatch, and like... Just the way the combat flows. And I was like, man, this looks so good. I'm so ready to mess around with it. So I'm very excited. Don't take my word for it. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just a giant fanboy. Click on the linked video, make up your own mind, and let me know if you agree with me or not about Planetfall. So, all right. Now, let's move on to Star Sector. So Star Sector... It's a game that has been in development now for, what is it, almost a decade? Almost eight years. Almost eight years. And Well, okay, let's be
0: the first Dev Diary on their current website was in November 2010. Okay. So So, they might have been working on it before that.
1: Okay, well, it doesn't really matter. For all intents and purposes, it makes no difference to us. So I've been following this the developer on Twitter. And a couple of people that I interact with and also in our forums and whatnot, that are all really excited for this game. And it's, I mean, the more I look at it, the more exciting, more excited I get because this is, this is great. One of the mechanics that in this dev diary they're talking about is the salvaging mechanics. And in a lot of games, salvaging gives you a little boost to research or like if you salvage, for example, in Stellaris, after combat is over, you send in your science ships, you sift through the combat and you get a. Boost here, you might get access to a tech you don't have, like so later on when you get access like research pops up in your research roulette wheel, you get like a boost to it. But in other games, salvage is like, oh, you're you're reclaiming resources, maybe. you know the last game that had an interesting salvage mechanic, at least for me, was sort of the stars, where you had the randomized tech tree. So, when you salvaged after combat, especially when it's a alien species that is very different than you, you might get access to some of their tech because you were able to put it together and do something with it. So, that was cool. Here, it's it's different. Here, you're actually salvaging for tech. You're salvaging maybe for equipment, you're salvaging for resources, but the mechanic was kind of similar to Stellaris, where depending on your salvage team and their experience level and the equipment they bring, there was a difficulty rating to the salvage. And like if if the difficulty was too high and you couldn't salvage it, then it's either you leave it and somebody else comes in and takes it, or you blow it up and then try to pick up what's, what's left over. So that's kind of what was there. It was not bad, it was interesting, but it was too micro, I think. so now they have a slightly different system. They streamlined it a bit, and in the process they removed the final factor. the final option would just blow up into debris and now when you're salvaging you depending on what equipment you bring, there's a percentage of the salvage that you can recover there's um <laughs> It's like there's items that you can find, for example. So if your rating is higher, you might be able to to get those specific items. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So so it's a slightly different system. It's I like it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it plays. Like, let's say if you're trying to salvage something and somebody's moving in on you, what do you do? You know. So it'll be interesting to keep following. But the thing is, is that with like in the recent diary that we covered, they had. Like, where the ship faces and how shields work. And, like, yeah, we've had other games that did it. But here, it played such a crucial role. Like, I haven't seen that level of detail for the importance of which way your ship ship is facing. And, like, maybe since... Battlefleet Gothic Armada because it was really important because your sh- your shields would regenerate or your depleted your uh a blade of armor would slowly get chipped away so you know they're they're making these kind of changes and it's very curious now another game that might have mechanic that does have mechanics like this is Star Control Origins so and it also has that top down view as well but that isn't the 4X where this is Either a full on forex or like riding the border between a forex and a you know, um I don't even know what to call it. What what would you call it? Forex Strategy game. Let's call it well, a strategy yeah, game. Yeah, strategy game, that's a given. But I mean <laughs> which 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 bowl do we I don't know anymore after Oliver's piece a couple of months back where he was talking about, you know, how to how to identify the various games. I don't even know anymore. Everything to me looks like something else these days, you know? Yeah, I, it's I either totally Red Dead Redemption, um, XCOM, or 4X, or something else, and that's it. That's I just I can't I can't do it anymore. Well, speaking of something else, let's talk about
0: Star Control Origins for a little bit. Okay, this week's dev diary, which is 10 out of 13, talks about the art style of the game. And it gives a little history lesson first of the previous Star Controls, how, you know, like uh, Star Control 1 2 were more of a pulp science fiction, Star Control 3 tried to be realistic, and Stardock wanted to do something different from all of that this time around. So they started off with something that immediately turned me off from the game. It was these corny aliens with big grins on their faces, and they just looked like silly people is the best way to describe. Them. They were just a bunch of goofballs in outer space. And so I thought, oh, okay, Star Control Origins is this uh comedy in space, maybe like a Hitchhiker's Guide type thing where everything's just off the wall, wacky, um you, you know, you you fly around in ludicrous speed, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. the as development went on with Star Control Origins, like the game got more and more serious and they realized that the art style they had chosen at the beginning wasn't right. Like these, these you know, aliens doing human things or having human things, like this one alien has a comb over on, on his head, you know, just didn't fit with the theme anymore. So they redid all the art for the aliens and it's still whimsical, but it's not corny anymore. They're not sipping martinis, you know, they're otherworldly now they're they're strange and and bizarre and they're not a bunch of humanoids like i'll criticize a lot of uh strategy games and and, and in role-playing games that are set in space where everybody all the species are like people you know it's like star trek they're they're same thing as a human just a different forehead
1: right different different skin tone
0: yeah you know they they yeah, they're they're gray and they got a bony forehead or they're pink and they got a spotty forehead anyhow. This is completely different. And now the game is the 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 creatures, the aliens you'll meet are much more they're almost unsettling in some ways because they're bizarre and completely not humanoid shape. And you're like, how would I even relate to this thing that looks like a cross between? an octopus, a coral, and a tree. Like, how do I relate to these strange aliens? And I like that a lot. The art has improved immensely since the beginning, and I really appreciate that they dumped the corny goofball art, because that's a super turn-off for me, and chose something still whimsical, but also at the same time... um, otherworldly and i really enjoy that it's it's like a, the next level of stars and shadow like you you know the the aliens of star and shadow are cartoonish but they're not um like well like, like some people will call it like the cali arts style mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. it's just very childish and um i don't know corny the star control origins the all the new artwork for the new species is great I l- I love what they're doing with the the settings of the different planets and how they look and they they've done a they've done a good job here on the art. I like it.
1: I agree. Um the game is maturing, I think. That's what it is. There's still Good point. There's still elements that are like tongue in cheek and a little silly, but not dumb. Yes. Yeah, it, That's... it's going to have humor, but it's
0: not it's not slapstick. Uh like the three stooges type comedy
1: anymore. Yeah. Everything's
0: over exaggerated. It's they, they've gone in much better direction, so I I'm glad for them. Hope that pays off.
1: Yes, oh, that's that's a good that's a good way of saying it, you know? Not three stooges. Exactly. Yeah, and not Buster right. Keaton either, or Charlie Chaplin. Yes.
0: So another game that's really kind of odd is Battle Brothers. And it got an update this past week and uh, the update it can essentially be divided into two parts. The first one is loot drops. And it seems like people weren't the happiest with the way loot drops worked in the game. They were just kind of dull and repetitive. Well, now they've added in whole new loot tables for the beasts that you can fight in Battle Brothers. So you're going to see a whole lot of new things that you can go out and, and choose battles because battles are, are deadly. And you got to pick the right ones. But now you'll see a whole lot of new loot drops. And, okay, so what? Well, these new loot drops can be used in the way that you make armor. And they can add individual customizations, which has become a really popular thing in a lot of games. You know, MOBAs particularly, where you can get custom... Doodads on your characters, mm-hmm. or you know, I play World Skin, of the like
1: custom skins and stuff like that.
0: Exactly in World of Tanks, outfits. Tank Blitz, uh, you can get like a, a searchlight put on your tank for, I think, like thirty dollars. You can add a thing that does absolutely nothing for your tank. Uh, it's dumb and ridiculous, but people get into it. I'm not saying that's what happening. That's what's happening here with Battle Brothers. Not at all. This actually looks really cool, and it's not something you're gonna have to pay like. 30 bucks for each one it's all being added as a as a part of this new update that they got coming and it looks really good it adds a lot of aesthetics to the game which i always thought was kind of drab i always thought the game was just it was very dark and dingy well with this new stuff yeah mm-hmm. it's gonna look cool
1: well it, it is a dire time and it is you know mercenary companies fighting wars and doing things for others it's you know it's 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 i think the color fit the theme you know yeah i'm I'm glad you brought up mercenaries because can you tell us about phoenix point now sure so (laughs) phoenix nice one so phoenix point has had an update now in the last update they were showing us art from the game they were telling us more about it but in this one it's just just like we've hired some more people, here are their jobs, here's what they're doing, here's like what their expertise is, so they're just continuing to introduce the new staff to the community, and you know, it's it's nothing big, it's not a big announcement, but it's cool, because not a lot of studios will do that, not a lot of studios will go out of their way to let the fan base, to let the consumers know that hey this is the person that did this you you might see their name for a split second if you look through the credits you know or if they make an appearance somewhere you'll hear of like oh okay great you know but for the most part you you don't really know the people that are behind the games that you're playing and here you know you have phoenix point you have you have you know this potentially an amazing amazing game that it's another game that i'm very hyped for by the way and you're getting to know the people and it's cool because If you see them here, maybe you contact them elsewhere and talk to them and, you know, pick their brains a little bit. Who knows? But I I like it. I like to know who's behind these, I guess, I don't know, adventures that I'm partaking in. I don't know. Well, how do you explain gaming to somebody that doesn't game? Well, thankfully, we don't have to do that since this is a gaming podcast. Right. But, I mean, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, Like when you tell somebody, oh, I'm playing a video game, they're like, playing a video game? What's wrong with you? How old are you, five? And it's like, ugh, how do you explain to them this? And then like, oh, well, I get to meet the people behind it. They're like, what? Who cares about that stuff, right? So, all right. This week, we're going to go ahead and talk about a new game, in obviously, in our what is section. And we're going to talk about a game called Universe Sim. Now, this is a game that I have been following Oh, I don't know, probably for a year, a year and a half. And it's finally in early access where you can play it. And this is a cross between Populous, black and white, maybe goddess, probably Spore. So it's like a god game, you know, you don't have direct influence, like you're not able to manipulate directly. But you can indirectly have an impact on these little people. And it is, it's really neat. It's really cool. I've, I've been looking to see like what people are thinking about it and I'm not seeing a lot of negativity, you know, there, there's always somebody out there that's, you know, oh, this and that. But again, this is early access. You know, if you're not ready to do early access, hold off and wait. Personally, I think that this has potential. This is not going to be abandoned. This team, they've been very, very active on Twitter, and you can engage with them all the time. They're active on their forums. So if this sounds like something that you're interested in, a different type of a god game, if you're missing the god games of old, you might want to check out universe Are you at all interested? Uh, I'm going to have to decline. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So... Do you remember a couple of weeks ago I had mentioned that some some people had complained to me that we were going on too much about Steam this and Steam that? I would really just wish they'd keep themselves out
0: of the news. You know, we wouldn't
1: talk about it if they weren't constantly messing with things. Right. Well, I can honestly say that they have an update to some of the stuff that they've been working on that they posted on September 5th, which is a couple of days prior to recording. And this is probably a good thing.
0: Yeah, I thought so. I, I thought so when I read about it.
1: You go ahead and explain it, though sure so they're discussing so one of the things that okay so the one thing that i really want steam to do is get back to curating games they haven't done that they're still kind of maybe they're working on it maybe they will i suspect they're not going to have any choice they're going to have to go in and start cleaning up the marketplace because it's a mess and i just I I i have a feeling that they're starting to watch what's happening on the nintendo marketplace for the switch and they're like whoa how come you know These indie games are doing so well over there. Why aren't they doing so well over here? And that has a lot to do with visibility, with discoverability. And that's one of the things that they're addressing in this update is how we are able to find games. So one of the ways they use it is they create tags or users. Actually, we can create these tags and we can tag games within. If somebody that looks at a game, likes our tag, they can tag another game. And like, it. it's almost like a viral thing where again, it's community sourced. that Valve should be doing this, not us, but you know, the curated page anyways. So they're reworking how the tags work. They're changing how games appear in our recommended list. Now I've personally had I've ranted about this in the past where I've had issues where I'm specifically marking something that has first-person shooter, FPS. I never want to see it. I don't care. Never show me anything that's tagged with that. If they tag the Civ game as a first-person shooter, then I wouldn't even see a Civ game. You know, I don't even want to see it. That, that's how much I don't want to see it. So they're making it the case where things that you don't want to see will not be as easily to find unless you're – specifically looking for them. So, if you know, oh, I'm looking for this game, you punch it in and search on, you know, on the marketplace, in the Steam store, you'll find it. So, that's one of the things they're doing. Now, um, another thing is they've had a re- an issue with adult games of late, and... One week, all of these adult games are gone. When I say adult games, I'm not talking about, like, full, full hardcore porn, but they're, like, visual novels that are adult-natured for mature audiences. Look, a lot of people on Steam are not four-year-olds. You don't have a – you shouldn't have a four-year-old on Steam because the, the toxicity of the community is pretty bad. <laughs> you know, you don't want yeah, five, right. six – I wouldn't want my kids <laughs> entering forums. it forums, yeah, we're, we're yeah. pretty good. You know, yeah, from time yeah. to time, we have a bit fine. of a yeah. – we have, we have some language used that I don't want my kids using, but we don't attack oh, one mad. another. Look, you know, each parent set the parameters for what they want their kids exposed to. Now, I'm not walking around with my hands on their ears, you know, like you can't listen. It's just, you know, I don't profane. And this is very hard for me. I'm a very profane person. <laughs> it is very hard for me to keep my tongue. And I do it in multiple languages, not just in English. So, you know, there's the, because it's funny. When I start speaking another language, I, my kids are picking up other languages now. They start responding to me when I'm talking to my family members or my wife in another language. My kids are listening and they're answering in English. It's like, damn it. We can't even do that anymore, which is OK. <laughs> you know, as there long as go, they're learning.
0: This is on how, the podcast. <laughs>
1: what was that? You're profaning on the podcast. No, that's not that bad <laughs> compared to what was heard on the last. Yeah, really. Yes. this is like not yeah, even. T- quick G-rated time stuff. out.
0: Quick time out on that. We do uh-huh. apologize for the strong language in that podcast. We kept it in there, though, in the spirit that the podcast was recorded. So, anyway,
1: uh, and it was fun, and it wasn't. It was. A, fun. It was fun. I don't think it was offensive. But you know what? That's actually one of the questions we have for you guys and gals. Listen to the podcast and let us know what you think. Now, it's not going to be a regular feature where we are going to be just, you know, shooting off and going on about whatever with profanity as a companion. But once in a blue moon, it might happen. Like in something like that, not on a weekly exchange, definitely not on videos and things like that. But anyways, so let us know. It's a great podcast. It was a, a lot of fun to record. We had a blast with that. So, okay, back to the topic. So, Steam is talking about how they're going to further um, regulate adult content. And one and like another thing is there are certain tags that come on games that based on your settings like your violence settings or your adult content settings the you can't actually click on the game it'll ask you like an age verification or it'll warn you oh this game is a particular thing and even though it drives me crazy like it's really irritating to me like me i'm in my account i don't need steam to babysit me but it's okay because if by accident one of my kids get to it and clicks on something it's one more step where i get to catch them it's all i'm not i get away from that you know so that's okay so that's that's the kind of stuff that they're working on and I'm hoping that this eventually leads to a proper curation so they're also talking about curators too so that's interesting so the way it works now even if you don't follow a particular curator if you if you have certain games in your library that match something that's repeated several times on somebody's curation list, then that curate, curator might be recommended to you. Now, maybe you hate that curator. Maybe like, oh my God, I know who that is. I hate him. I never want to see it. So you can actually block them so you don't have to see them as an option for curation, which is cool. You know, give us the choices, give us the tools, but please fix the marketplace. First and foremost, get to it, Valve. Let's do this. Let's make it, let's make it awesome like it could be. So we're not losing really cool indie titles to other platforms because the developers are like ah we don't get any exposure on Steam because for now everybody has no choice. Like you have to go on Steam. But how long is it before they're like yeah, I don't even want to develop. I'll just go develop for the, you know, for the Switch because look at how how well some of these games are selling on the Switch versus on Steam, right? Right. All right, so let let's uh,
0: let's move on to something else. We've talked about this topic before, and the European Union Parliament is, once again, taking up a couple of articles that can change the way that the internet works, at least in Europe, and it could have far-ranging effects. The first one, for whatever bill this is, is Article 11. And it, some people call it a link tax, and that's not really fair, because a tax implies that the money would go to the government. Instead, what people would have to do is they would have to pay a licensing fee to news organizations or or sites that they link to if the link includes copyrighted material from the site so you could paste a hyperlink and be fine but if the hyperlink was the headline like you typed in the headline you know and then you insert a hyperlink into the headline then you might have to pay a licensing fee to the Company that wrote the article originally. So, like, we'll link articles to Rock Paper Shotgun or Polygon or or Gamespot or whatever from time to time. And so, we might explore minate under these rules if we if we link to something in Europe or uh, something like that. We might have to pay a licensing fee to the company that wrote the article for our you know our weekly exchange links. Or if we li- write an article. And we say, here, you can go read this article on this particular topic. And, you know, we link to that article that you might want to read. And so, like, that's that's really tough. You think about the number of sites that are designed mm-hmm. to help people find information. Like here in mm-hmm. the United States, there's a website that gets very popular uh, around time we have an election called realclearpolitics.com. And all that site is is just links and links and links to articles that cover... Both sides of the political spectrum that site could not exist without linking to other sites, so we would people would lose a resource where they could go to inform themselves about political issues if If this were to happen in the United states i'm sure there's similar things in europe so that's that's kind of bad because it would make it more difficult to disseminate information and it would put certain websites out of business that, that people use for very practical reasons. Article 13 of this bill is the one that's really, I think, more insidious. And that is the one where social media companies, in fact, all internet media companies that allow users to post content would become financially liable for any copyrighted material that was used on their sites without authorization. So a big one obviously would be... YouTube, which is owned by Google, when people post music or clips from videos or something like that. Also something like Twitter, where people post a lot of memes that involve copyrighted material. Like in, on my Twitter feed, there's I'm constantly getting memes from Star Trek and Star Wars and things like that. And so these companies, these tech companies, would become personally responsible for scanning all user-created content and then striking anything that violated the copyright rules. This uh, is being encouraged by the movie and music industry. I'll get to them in a second. But it's being encouraged by the movie and music industry. And, you know, and there is a case to be made that people have been using copyrighted material without permission, although I think... They are citing their sources. So in the United States, we have something called fair use that allows you to use something for your own purposes. As long as you cite the source and you don't, like there, there are limitations, like for music or, or videos, you're, you're limited in the amount of time that you can use. And then also like how much, like how, much, how many different instances that you use from it anyway. It would become very difficult for companies to police this. The only ones that could really do it are the big American tech companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Amazon, you know, that own YouTube, Twitch, uh, Snapchat, all these different things. And that would mean that these American tech companies would become even more entrenched on the Internet. It would make it very difficult for a new company to challenge these old companies. And Europe has always been about protecting old money. I don't know why they want to protect old American money, but a lot of their laws are set up to protect old money in their own countries and here they are trying to defend the music and movie industries and I just I just find it almost revolting that they're putting these industries over people who just want to you know share funny pictures or funny videos on the internet I have absolutely no sympathy for the music companies and people like Paul McCartney who've you know they they're very wealthy very rich I would like to see Paul McCartney use his influence not to strike little YouTubers, but maybe help out the small-time bands and singers who are constantly taken advantage of by the music industry he helped create. It's just vile the way new artists are abused by music companies. The problem is not YouTube and Twitter. The problem is companies like Sony and all all the other recording studios, they just abuse new artists. It's it's disgusting. Now, the movie companies, uh, I can kind of understand, because movies have gotten so bad now that they, they would want to stop people from talking about their movies on the Internet, because maybe if people don't talk about how bad movies have gotten, people will be dumb enough to go to the theaters and, and watch them. So I, I can kind of see the movie industries. Uh, angle on this but i'm telling you nate this one makes me mad it kind of ties into something else um with the new nafta negotiations going on and nafta stands for north american free trade agreement uh, between well among the united states canada and mexico mexico and the united states are trying to pressure canada into adopting the united states's rules on copyright currently Canada has a 50-year length on copyright after the author's death. Now, there's exceptions because there's always exceptions to every rule. But for the most part, it's 50 years. Of course, of course. In the United States, in, in the United States, and then what Mexico has agreed to, it's 70 years, or in some cases 95, or in other cases 120. If you're Disney, and this, in my opinion, is a problem. The culture in the United States has become stunted because there is nothing new entering the public domain that we all share as a singular culture. The, the culture is stuck in the 1930s because we can't get our hands on as just people, regular people, from anything after that nothing. Disney and all the movie studios and all the big publishing companies for books and magazines, things like that, have clamped down on everything after about the mid-1930s. And so our American culture is stuck there. It's hard to share something when you're not allowed to because of these draconian copyright rules. And regular people should be outraged about the way copyright rules work here in America and the way that they're being proposed over in Europe. But Our education system doesn't teach economics anymore. And so hardly anyone has any idea what their potential rights and claims to this intellectual property could be and should be. Everybody out there listening right now should have access to making t-shirts with Mickey Mouse on it. From the Steamboat Willie cartoon from way back in the day. That should be a part of our culture. As much as um, the wheel on a car or... What what is or, or like Charlie Chaplin is a part of our culture. You know anybody can make a Charlie Chaplin uh, outfit. You know from the Keystone Cops and that sort of thing. Uh, you know Thomas Edison. Anybody can use Thomas Edison in a in a, a fiction novel if they want. You know you can use all those old brands and things. Um, Buffalo Bills, Wild West Show, all that stuff. But we're stuck. Our culture's stuck because of these copyright rules, which are meant to keep the powerful powerful. And to keep those who are powerless, well, powerless, you know, history has trended towards freedom. And I don't, and I, I say trends towards freedom instead of another expression that a lot of people use, like being on the right side of history. I, I kind of hate that expression because how do we really know that the timeline we're in is the right one? Maybe, maybe among all the possible timelines, this is one of the darker ones. You know, it's definitely possible, right? So, but anyway, history, history has trended towards freedom, not towards restriction. And this restriction with copyright and with all the silliness with the linking and all this going on is an attempt to control information and information equals power. And so it is trying to disempower the regular people and empower people who are already empowered. And I find the law there in europe that's being proposed disgusting i am troubled at the united states and mexico pressuring canada into adopting even worse copyright laws than they already have which it's really squishy there in canada at the moment but it is better than what we have here in the united states i'd rather have that so anyway uh the eu is moving closer to china and russia uh, further away from what has traditionally been a more open north american ethos although you know recently i'll have to say that north america is, has kind of disappointed me as well mm-hmm. so anyway mm-hmm. th- that that's my rant on uh this this bill i mean you know it's european copyright reform i think is the name of the uh the bill
1: a lot of the mp's over there don't even understand it
0: no they're just and- getting big comments. Uh, donations and and pats on the back from the movie and music industry. You know, there are people that have had clout and influence for decades and uh, you know, it's built on the backs in a, in a large part for people who've been taken advantage
1: of. Yep. Yep. And it sucks. And I don't know. (sighs) I don't know. Well, (laughs) I have my own little rant, which is more, I think, for a lot of the listeners in the U.S. closer to home, though even though a lot of them didn't necessarily see the importance of the topic. So this topic is very similar, net neutrality. And this was something that had not existed before, I believe it was 2015 or 14. I'm not even sure. I don't even have the exact number. But – the sitting president of the time, President Obama, put in a rule that the carriers and the providers of Internet service, the bandwidth, could not go ahead and start throttling different services like Netflix or Amazon or YouTube or stuff like that to give other services faster Bandwidth, like bigger bandwidth so the download speeds for people that are streaming or downloading stuff would be faster because, you know, oh, Netflix uses too much bandwidth or YouTube uses too much bandwidth. So what was started happening is that Netflix, I believe, I think it was Comcast, Netflix or Verizon, Netflix actually paid the money in order to get the bandwidth that they're supposed to have if there's no preferential treatment. So net neutrality was – there to protect it. Now, after our current president was elected, and the guy who was just one on the board of presidents became the head of the FCC, net neutrality was basically dismissed. And we've been talking about this, and we personally, on in the comments, we've had like, oh, what are you guys making a big deal out of it? It's no big deal, you know. And like recently, some studies came out showing how throttling happens and how much it can affect different people and like for example we can use you because you know how sometimes when we record we've had bad signal in the past like bad reception we don't know the cause but it could be because oh you know we're using too much bandwidth on a saturday night or sunday night and you know they'd rather have people watching cable than being online so stuff could be we don't know it's an assumption but anyways what's the whole point of that so (laughs) a couple of so there's a company called frontier Communications. Now, if you're a customer of theirs, I don't have to tell you anything about them. That's a garbage company. They're on the level of Comcast. They're like, they're despicable. They're garbage. Their service is garbage. Their product is garbage. They're overpriced. They're constantly messing, giving, oh, I'll give you a promotion. You can have a discounted rate. And, and like, stuff gets canceled and changed and all kinds of problems. So in California, this past week, Basically, a net neutrality bill got passed. It's not obviously gone all the way through. It still has some steps left, but it got passed. And Frontier wrote up this piece, this communication. This is actually on their website. It's called "Letter to Governor Brown from Frontier Employees that are currently employed by him, be it subcontractors or you know call center or whatever. You know that they pretty much have to sign and send to Governor Brown that Frontier Communications is against net neutrality because it's going to hurt their business. How ridiculous is that? Can you imagine if your local cable provider did that for their own people? So it's like all of a sudden, like, no, net neutrality is bad because why should everybody have the same access to the Internet? Why should the person over here have better? Okay, well, you live in New York City, so your access needs to be better than everybody else that's living in, I don't know, pennsylvania or ohio or something like that you know because new york city is more important or new york city has uh vips they need more bandwidth you know that's kind of like what this is heading to but if you want to have the same bandwidth as the new york folk well you got to pay an extra 10 15 whatever it is going to be per month it's like you have to pay all these extra premiums so it's so we fought really hard to break apart like the cable packages to have like a la carte so you can pick this and that then companies like Netflix and Amazon and uh, different there's there's other ones out there Roll came up but the um, as you said earlier the music industry well here it's a different the cable industry they're fighting hard and it's the same movie industry that's fighting it and now the fight is being carried in a different direction and it's really, really annoying because it's like we might be paying for you know, 60 60 down and 15 up but we're only getting 10 because, you know it's prime time and that's how it is so the one time that you want to use it that's the best you can do so you can't play your first-person shooter or your MMO or whatever because somebody else needs to be watching something and you haven't paid that extra $10 a month just so you can have what you're paying for in the first place. Hence why net neutrality is important. Anyways, that's my rant for the night. (laughs) So, um, you've been playing anything fun lately? Uh, Just a little bit of World of Tanks
0: Blitz. I'm still um, grinding credits in my Angry Connor tank, Mm -hmm. which is the... uh, the the single Irish tank in the game, okay, and like I'm the butt of a lot of uh, racist Irish jokes when I'm playing that thing. It, it's really kind of disgusting. Uh, That's so I mean. annoying. It it really is. That is so uh, annoying. You know. Anyway, so I just played a little bit of that. Um, Are you at I, least kicking their butts? Oh yeah. yeah well, I there really you go. Well, in it, I do really well in it. Most well, people don't expect comes. much out of that tank because it, it's it's not very strong like it it gets blown up pretty easily mm-hmm. uh but i'm pretty handy with it so all right well, that's all the matter i'm I'm looking forward to thea 2 coming out so i can start playing that
1: so, so you're reverse trolling them gotcha yeah i don't say anything i just shoot them right you you let your you let your uh main not cannon what is it in the tank um yeah you can call it a cannon yeah okay you you're letting your main cannon or gun speak for you
0: yeah yeah, it's very it's, nice. It's
1: cool, it's a good take. Anything else? No, not this week. Okay, well, the, I played this week. I had some gaming time this week, quite a bit of it. So, which which is going to lead to a little bit of information, which is really cool. So, I played a whole bunch of Endless Legend. I'm just, man, this is, it's a good game. I, there are people out there that are like, no, I don't get it. I don't understand why you like it. Well, then you don't understand. I like it. I'm enjoying it. That's all that matters. I think uh, it's
0: still the best. 4x game on the market i agree but like no. if you get the complete version including the new dlc if you get that the whole thing mm-hmm. it it's the best
1: 4x game that you can buy at the moment i agree and i'm enjoying it and it is what it is and then i fired up a little bit of endless space too just kind of wanted to look around a little bit i had a really bad start and i'm like ah okay i'll just get back to endless legend i don't want to Futs around with that bad start. And here's the surprise. I've been playing a whole bunch of Oriental Empires this past week. Do you know why? Uh you're working on the review? Mm-mm. I finished the review. Oh, good. It is fully fleshed out from what I had before. Several major sections were revised because the game has been updated since I played it last for any extensive period of time. And then I was like, ooh. This is I'm enjoying this. I kept playing for fun anyways. So yeah. So the review is written at the time that you hear this, it'll be undergoing edits and it should be up the following Monday. So I'm really sorry that it's taken me this long because life is the best excuse I have, but it is written. It is thorough. It's not, you know, 45 words. It's it's pretty long review and I went into as much detail as I can and we'll do a, you know, We'll do additional coverage afterwards. We'll do a nice little podcast for it. So an Audible extension where you guys can ask questions if you want, and I'll do my best to answer it. And uh, I think, did I play anything else? Nope. I, I don't think I will play anything else. I've been focusing on Oriental Empire. So now that that one is done, I'm going to jump on the next review that's on the backlog. So there's another one coming. Hopefully by the end of the month, it'll be fully written. So there's, it's going to be between now and the end of the year. I think I'm going to, write like four or five different reviews. So by the end of the year, we'll be caught up. We should be where we need to be on everything. And then next year, I'll make sure to stay on top of it so we don't fall behind. And I I'm, I apologize to the publishers and developers. I know we've let you guys down, but you know what? Our work is good. And you know, you, you know that we're thorough when we do it. So hang in there. It's coming. Good stuff is coming. And I think that's it. All right. Very cool. Uh, anything you want to say before we close this one up? Uh, just our usual thank you to our patrons for supporting us. You're all awesome. and I have not forgotten that Troy needs a new chair. So <laughs> Tr- Troy needs to do a little bit of research on his end and give me some some potential candidates for said chair. so we can figure out which one is the the you know the best one for the job and get it to him. This, then, he can breathe and he can relax during the podcast because otherwise he he's like stuck in this pose. And I think you, I think people think I'm kidding. I, they're like, oh, Nate, you're so funny." I'm not. I seriously like like you're stuck in a position because God forbid if you <laughs> if you breathe wrong, the chair starts making noise. You know? Yeah, I, so. I can lean back real quick. You want to hear me leaning back? Yeah, go ahead. Here we go. So there, that's <laughs> how my about, chair. How about if you go side to side a little bit? like size? shift like shift your position a little bit. All right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah, that's my chair, guys. <clears throat> so yeah, so the patrons are helping um, support the replacement for each chair. So thank you very much for that. And then one of the other guys is going to need a new mic. I shall not name this person, but next time you hear this person, you'll be like, wow, I didn't realize you sounded like that. So we're going to be upgrading some equipment in the re- relative near future. And I think that's it. Thank you for listening and reading our stuff as usual.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's been really great having you with us this week on the Weekly Exchange. We hope to do it again next week and have you there with us. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate Take care, everyone. See ya.